Well, as we uh, draw towards the end of the year, and it's not that long away, um, I want to take a moment and just reflect on the theme for the year, which has been on fire. And to help me reflect, I actually went to the church website. And uh, just a reminder that all the messages are there on the website. And if you go to the website, click on listen, you can find all kinds of, webs, uh, of the messages there right through the whole year. Um, Steve's from last week is there. Of course, Steve started with a song last week and I had a bit of peer pressure to do the same. <laughs> and uh, though there was something prepared, we've just run short of time, so uh, perhaps another day. But there's some great songs from the 70s, aren't there? So uh, <laughs> maybe another time. But uh, I was reflecting on the, uh, the themes that we've had a look at um, under the, uh, the heading of, of On Fire. And uh, we looked at... Um, how God appeared as fire. We looked at attributes of fire, how they cleanse and refine and show light. Um, We've looked at um, the gospel spreading like fire. We've looked at how if the body of Christ is on fire, how we need to treat and care and look after each other. And uh, some great messages there to reflect on. But as I was looking through those, um, the question came to me, well, what does that mean then? (laughs) It's wonderful to go through the year with a theme and to, uh, to hear messages and to be inspired, I hope. But where does that leave us? What does that mean? And so this morning, I want to challenge you to think, how are you different in November to what you may have been in January? What do the messages on fire mean for you? I'm hoping they're more than entertainment. I'm hoping that as you reflect on these things and allow God to speak to you. What is he saying to you about uh, being on fire? Because we can think through all of this, we can enjoy it all, but really, unless, unless this works, yes, unless we're fired up, where do we go with this? And so The last theme before we head into Christmas is about being fired up, having a passionate but also an enduring commitment to something that God has called us to. And we've had some examples of that this morning already, haven't we? So I want you to think about in what ways are you fired up? In what ways are you fired up? I googled what does fire up mean and uh, Google tells me to have started something by lighting a fire. We fired up the grill for the barbecue. Very topical this morning, isn't it? There it was. To have caused something to start working, I fired up my computer and got down to work. The engine is fired up and ready for action. Or to be filled with energy or enthusiasm, the players were fired up and eager for the game to commence. And I hope that that's you in some way, that you are fired up with energy and enthusiasm. But as I read along, and I don't know how they predict this, but they say the statistics for fired up in terms of how frequent it's used as a phrase, it's in the bottom 10% of words. And it made me think, I wonder if they could work out the statistics for how often this word is used in the church connection. Would it be higher than the bottom 10% of words? How often do we talk about being fired up for the Lord, being fired up to do some sort of ministry, being fired up to fulfill a purpose? And uh, there's a challenge, isn't it? Hopefully our discussion, it's 
better than the bottom 10% of words. So when you think of being fired up, perhaps you think of someone like Billy Graham, who uh, was a preacher, an evangelist who traveled the world for decades and decades, speaking passionately and committed to spreading the word of God. Or maybe you think of someone like Martin Luther King, a Christian preacher who was fired up to speak against civil rights, sorry, for civil rights, against what was happening in the United States. And uh, we are aware of him and his speeches and how he fired up other people. But it doesn't have to be somebody like that. You are not going to be Billy Graham necessarily or Martin Luther King. There's many ways that we can be fired up. I came across a picture of uh, Mother Teresa. She was fired up to work with the poor. She described them the poorest of the poor in Calcutta in India. And she wasn't preaching and evangelizing, but she was getting right down into the slums and working with these people. Or maybe someone like this character. Arthur Stace was known as Mr. Eternity. And in the 40s, 50s and 60s in Sydney, he would go around under the cover of dark and write the word eternity just with chalk on the pavement. He had experienced an amazing transformation in his own life. And he wanted to challenge the whole city to think about where they would spend their eternity. As I was reading about him, I found he even came to Newcastle and Canberra. Um, and out to Dubbo and travelled around a little bit just sharing that message. Such an important part of the culture of Sydney that that word was emblazoned across the Harbour Bridge on New Year's Eve 2000, the turn of the millennium. So there's different ways to be fired up. But what about this? These are people I know, a businessman who runs his own business and works out his own weekly schedule so that he can go into two local schools and teach scripture because he's fired up and passionate about young children hearing about Jesus. Well, what about this one? A cleaner who's now retired, but she used to pray for students as she cleaned their desks. And she knew she would never meet the students, but as she was cleaning each afternoon, she was praying for whichever student sat at these desks. She was fired up passionate and committed, or a retired man who visits prisons and runs ministry to teach the inmates about Jesus, or a grandmother who prays every morning for her children and grandchildren. These people are fired up as well. So there's lots of different ways to be fired up. And as we explore this series Please do not think that is not me, that can't be me, I could never do that. But seek the Lord and say, God, what is it? What way do you want me to be fired up? We're going to have a look at the life of Peter and see how he was fired up. One story about Peter in the Bible is when he denied Jesus. Jesus was uh, being tried before his uh, crucifixion and um, Jesus had predicted Peter would deny him and he did three times. A woman said, you were with him, you know Jesus, you're one of those disciples. And he said, woman, I don't even know him. And we think of what might have been the blackest and the darkest moment in Peter's life. 
and how that transformed when he was fired up. And instead of that happening, the day of Pentecost, where there's a big crowd gathering to see what the commotion was about, and Peter stepped forward in front of thousands and thousands of people and shouted to the crowd and preached to them, saying, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we're all witnesses of this. No longer denying that he didn't know Jesus, but saying, I was there, I knew him, I saw him, I'm a witness to this, and what I tell you is true. And his words pierced their hearts, and they said to the other apostles, what must we do? And 3,000 people that day came to know the Lord. Now that's fired up, isn't it? Isn't that an amazing difference from denying even knowing Jesus or being with him to be able to preach so boldly? There's a few points, perhaps. Here we go. I think we have a bit of a lag. Can we perhaps get the receiver bit up a little bit higher, Cameron? I wonder if that would help. A few points that we can find from Peter's life. One is that being fired up is for God's purpose. Now, when we look at the life of Peter, we see other times where he was fired up as well. He was fired up when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. And he wanted to defend Jesus. And he took out his sword and he cut off the ear of one of the high priest's servants. Jesus healed it straight away. So Peter was fired up then. And when you first look at that, you'll think, well, that's a good thing to do. Jesus is being arrested and he's stepping in to save Jesus. But it wasn't part of God's plan. It wasn't part of God's plan. And we can be fired up and feel that what we're doing is passionate and it's right and it's for God. But unless it really is part of God's purpose, we can be fired up for the wrong reasons. And we need to always take time to seek God's direction. What is he saying to us? How is he leading us? Is what we're feeling inside just something that stirs? We might feel angry or upset about something and try and justify that as part of God's purpose. But unless it really is, we're not heading in the right direction. Peter himself wrote in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 2, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. And he could speak from experience. He had chased after his own desires, but now he was being anxious and wanted to seek God's will and be fired up for him. Something more we can learn from Peter is that you can't predict what, how, when, why you're going to be fired up for God. I wonder if Peter, as a humble fisherman, ever thought that he'd be preaching in front of big crowds of people. I wonder when Blessings was young and in that village, did he ever think he would be working across the nation? I wonder... Did Maddie and Lockie ever think that they'd be in the midst of Cooter at 3am in the morning handing out red frogs and looking after people? I wonder, did Pam ever think one day she'd be looking to set up education and support schools and uh, perhaps establish schools in Malawi? You never know. You never know what it is God's calling you to be, how he wants you to be fired up. And again, it's about seeking him and seeking his will for you and for, your, for his purpose for you. Being fired up is a process. It's not an event. 
Some years ago, I took a group of school students camping, and before camping, we talked about meals. They were going to cook over an open fire. We talked about how to build a fire with uh, newspaper, small kindling, when that got going, some thicker sticks and some bigger pieces of wood, to have that fire going, then let it die down till you have just a gentle fire with a lot of heat in it that will last. Then put your fry pan on and away you go. It takes time. Sit around the fire, chat, tell a yarn, have a joke, just enjoy each other's company. One group got a massive amount of, of newspaper, a couple of twigs, put it all together, lit it, away it went, thought, you beauty, put their fry pan on, stuck a sausage, oh, there's that theme again, in the fry pan, and uh, within two or three minutes, there was a, a raw sausage in a cold fry pan. The fire had died down. And uh, they didn't quite get that process, that time it takes to really do things as they should be done. When we look at Peter's life, we can see that there are things that build into it. There is fuel that is added to his life along the way. Firstly, being called by Jesus, having to leave his nets and go and follow Jesus. The episode of walking on the water, where Jesus called Peter out of the boat to come to him. Peter took a few steps, looked around, was scared, began to sink. Jesus pulled him out. That was another episode in his life. Declaration of who Jesus was. People were talking about Jesus and Jesus said to his disciples, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And he knew in his spirit who Jesus was. But a short time after, when Jesus was talking about his death and his suffering, Peter said, no, I won't let that happen. We will not let you go to the cross. Jesus said to this person who had not long before declared who Jesus was, he had said to him, get behind me, Satan. You can't get in the way of the work of the Lord. There was a time where Peter and disciples had been fishing all night, not caught a thing. Jesus called out from the shore, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. I don't get that. If there's no fish on that side of the boat, there's not going to be fish on this side of the boat. But Peter obeyed and the nets were full. Talked already about Peter denying Jesus, but yet Jesus forgave him. All of this combines... I believe, to be fuel for Peter being fired up. Though he didn't write these words, I'm sure he would have known them to be true. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and accord, called according to his purpose. And I believe that all the experiences that we go through, like Peter, those moments of success, those moments of clarity of who Jesus is, those moments of uncertainty where we fail, where we have dark times, where we need God's forgiveness. I believe everything can be worked towards God's goodness and his purpose for us. And it's all part of that process of being on fire. Now that, of course, for Peter was ignited on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. And I believe that can happen to us as well. That all those things that make up who we are, all we've been through, can be ignited by God to uh, have us fired up and ready to serve him. Fourth thing we can learn from Peter and his life 
is that a fired up journey brings greater challenge than one not yet ignited. If you're fired up, you can be sure that life is going to be more challenging than it had been already. I don't know a lot about supercars. I know that they come to Newcastle, that they're very noisy, that they go round and uh, round and round and very fast. And you can probably have a sausage sizzle there somewhere, I'm sure. But I was reading about them, and a supercar can cost $600,000. The engine alone, $120,000. So if there's any guy sitting here thinking, oh, one day I'd like to own a supercar, forget it. Forget it. It's not going to happen. But it can be $10 million to keep the car racing. And that's paying for the team and all those who support it and the maintenance and so forth. So with that kind of money, wouldn't it be better to get that supercar and keep it in your garage? People can come and look at it. They can admire the paintwork, the sponsors, perhaps occasionally just turn on the engine just to hear that rev hit the accelerator a few times, switch it off, close the garage door. That would be a much safer option than this kind of thing. So once something is fired up and on the racetrack, there are challenges. There are challenges. And it would be easier to avoid being fired up. It would be safer. But it's not what you're created to do. It's not what these supercars are built for. God has a purpose for you and it's not just to sit in the garage and look pretty. When we think of the challenges Peter had to face when he was fired up for the Lord, he had to defend and explain what was happening time and time again. He was called before a crowd of people or the Jewish leaders and he had to defend and explain. There were times he was beaten. There were times he was imprisoned, though had some miraculous escapes as well. He had to be a leader, and that's not easy. He could have let someone else make the decisions, make the call, take the rap for when things were getting difficult. But he was called into that as well. He was called to take Jesus' message to those who were non-Jews, something that was difficult to do culturally. He had to step out of his comfort zone and do that. He was called to be a writer and to record what, uh, what God was saying to him. And in the first book of 1 Peter, a theme is being faithful under pressure. Now, isn't that an amazing turnaround for someone who, under pressure the night of Jesus' crucifixion, denied even knowing Jesus? And now he's writing to young churches saying, life is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. There's be persecution, but be faithful to the Lord. Do not give up. That's a person who's really fired up. The screen is, oh, it's there. My screen hasn't got it. Your screen does. Good. In the second book of Peter, he talks about growing in Christ's grace and learning more about Christ. And that brings me to my last point, that we shouldn't neglect the inside. Being fired up for God isn't just about the outworking of that and what people can see. Peter is saying in, in his second book there, keep growing, keep learning, keep understanding about God. This week in the media, there was a story about an Australian cricketer, Glenn Maxwell, very uh, 
capable cricketer. He's um, played in lots of different forms of the game, scores lots of runs. But the story was about Glenn Maxwell, who was struggling with some things on the inside and how he was stepping back from the game of cricket for a while. And with the summer season and cricket just upon us, that was a big thing to do. But he needed to sort out some personal things on the inside. The article I read said this. The struggles didn't seem to outwardly affect Maxwell's performances. In the first two T20 internationals against Sri Lanka, he was excellent on the field and scored a 28-ball 62 in his only outing with the bat. So even though he was going through all kinds of things on the inside, he was still performing well on the outside. And I think that's a danger for us. We can be fired up and we can be working for God and we can be doing amazing things. But Peter is saying in Second Peter, what's happening on the inside? Are you still growing? Are you still becoming Christ-like? Are you learning more? Are you letting God mould you to become more like his son? And we can try and hide behind what we're doing and not really allow God to work on the inside. I thought that was a, a good and timely reminder. So passionate and enduring commitment, being fired up. And I wonder what's going through your minds while I'm speaking this morning. Perhaps you're looking at people like Billy Graham, Peter, and thinking, that's not me. There's nothing in my life that I'm fired up about. Put this to the test then. If someone told you you could not do something anymore, what would it be that you would really pull against and say, no way? You imagine someone saying to Billy Graham, you can't preach anymore. You cannot travel the world. It's all over. They'd have a struggle on their hand. I can't imagine he would go easily. Or someone saying to Arthur Stace, Mr. Eternity, you're not to sneak around at night and write that word anymore. I think that person would have a struggle on their hands. I know if someone said to this businessman who teaches scripture in schools, you can't do that anymore, and he's had various school leaders confront him on that, he finds a way around that because he's so passionate and so fired up about young people hearing about God. My grandmother, who faithfully prayed for her family and grandchildren, me being one of them for years and years and years, until she died in August 2002. If someone had said to her, you're not to pray anymore in the morning, they'd have had a struggle on their hand. I could imagine if someone said to Lockie and Maddie, you guys, you know, you're not to go to Red Frogs, sorry, you can't do that. That person would have a struggle on their hand. Pam, if someone said, forget this education thing, big struggle they would have, wouldn't they? Because God has fired up people in these ways. And what is it that you would really fight against if somebody said, no, you can't do that? Even if it's as simple as reading the Bible with your kids or praying for your family members. And there's ways we're all fired up for God. I want to challenge you, though, to take time with God. And I think that's the key to being fired up, to have God add that fuel and then spark that ignition point. Say, God, what is it that you want me to do? 
How do you want me to be fired up? I don't want to be that car in that garage. You've given me a life. You've given me a purpose. You've given me a whole lot of experiences that you can be using for your good. God, what is it that you want me to do? It may not be expected, but it'll be part of God's purpose. A simple, light-hearted way to remember what to pray about is uh, get three Russian brothers to help you. And these brothers are more of, less of, and rid of. (laughs) God, what is it that I need more of in my life? What is it that's crowding out my life and crowding out you from my life and I need less of? And Lord, what is it in me that I need to get rid of? So that's a very simple way. When you're praying, ask the Russian brothers to jog your memory. God, what is it that you're saying to me? Because I believe he wants us all to be fired up. He doesn't want us to be people who would step back in fear and deny even knowing Jesus. He wants us to be people who can be bold in our proclamation. It may not be like Peter was, but there's some way that God wants you to be fired up. Let's allow Peter to have the final word. In the first book of Peter, chapter 4, verse 11. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Now that's a comment from a man who was fired up. Not just talk well, prepare well, smile when you're speaking, do whatever you need to do. He's saying, speak as though God is speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And I love that Peter refers to different ways we can be fired up. It's not all the same. Then everything you do, everything you do, will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the love that you have for us, that you, for the love that you have with the world. And Father, I pray that we will be people who are sensitive and listen to you and respond, that we will be fired up. God, that nothing in our life would hold us back that we can move forward for you in your power, in your strength. Amen.